0: Thanks for tuning into this BGSM podcast. My name is Liam West and I'm a member of the BGSM editorial team. I'm currently at the 2017 IOC conference in Monaco, and I'm delighted to be joined now by one of the keynote speakers, Professor Roald Barr. He works at the infamous Oslo Sports Trauma Research Centre and is also the chair of the scientific committee for the IOC, amongst many other positions. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Mr. Barr. My pleasure. So your keynote was on screening. Screening itself has been used for a long time in medicine, successfully for diseases such as breast or prostate cancer. But you said it doesn't really work in sport and exercise medicine for injury prevention. What's the
1: difference? Well, there are several differences. Uh, When we screen for a serious disease, um, this is to identify silent disease that the individual is not aware of yet and then to treat that as early as possible to try and reduce uh the the most severe outcome which is usually death early death i should say whereas when we when we screen for sports injuries the individual is healthy at the time and we are pr- trying to predict a future event an injury that hasn't occurred yet and where the main purpose is then would then be to Provide some sort of an intervention to reduce the chances of this happening. Now, obviously, you don't want to give all women in a country a bilateral mastectomy. That would cure breast cancer, but it is a very severe uh, invasion uh, of, of the individual's uh, health. Um, but there's no problem giving, for instance, a Nordic Cancering Exercise Program to all the players on the football team. So the main difference, one main difference is actually while in general medicine, it is to provide care to a few select individuals, the consequences of a positive screen in a sports injury situation would be to deprive the rest of the population, something that might even benefit them.
0: During your talk and in the paper that you've written for the BGSM, which we'll link for the listeners you discuss about developing and validating a screening program in three stages um, could you talk to the listener about that
1: yeah typically uh, we will all get very excited when we do a prospective cohort study and show that there is an association with a certain potential screening test and the risk of injury at the at the end of the season or by the end of the season and that's fine. You have shown this associate between injury risk and a risk factor that you can measure. Then the second step is to show that that test works as well in a different population to where you uh, originally developed the test. Test properties will all, always be uh, too optimistic if you apply it on the population that you developed it for. And then, So then it's a very important second step to validate this, the, the test in a second, in a third, in a fourth population. And then, of course, since the purpose here is to, to reduce injuries, um, you have to show, as the third step, that the combination of a targeted program based on a screening test, where those who have a positive screen will get the intervention, the others will not get the intervention, in fact performs better than giving the intervention to everyone without screening. So these are the three steps. First develop the test, then validate the test in a second population as similar to the population you intend to use as as, as it can be. And then third to do actually a randomized control trial showing that the screened group does better than just giving this mass intervention to everyone. And this again is a major difference from general medicine, let's say uh, mammography, uh, where um, it is simply not an option uh, to, to do mastectomy on all, all the women.
0: How do we determine if someone has a high enough risk for our proposed intervention to be
1: merited? This is the problem with the kinds of tests that we uh, have to use to screen for risk factors in, in sports uh, injury. So again, one of the differences between, uh, let's say, screening for breast cancer and, and the tests that we uh, have available for screening for, for injury risk is that breast cancer is a yes, no. So either you have a tumor or you, you don't have a tumor. But when we measure something, let's say that's, uh, that's hamstring strength or hip strength or shoulder range of motion or something like that, you'll have a whole range of values, and some athletes will have a low value and some athletes will have a high value. And when we say that something, for instance shoulder range of motion, is a risk factor for injury, that means that if you compare a group that is injured or gets injured with one that doesn't get injured, there will be a group difference between the two. The problem is that there will be lots of overlap between those who are injured and those who are not injured. So regardless where you draw that cutoff line and say at risk or not at risk, you will always capture quite a large proportion of the other group, the one you do not want to say, well, you're normal or you are abnormal, depending on which group they belong to. Right. So the trouble is that it's not a dichotomous yes, no, it's a continuous uh, measure. And, and we don't have any tests today which has that property of separating the high-risk group and the low-risk group into two distinct different populations.
0: Is there another reason why screening doesn't work?
1: In addition to the fact that it's very difficult to develop a test that can distinguish between those at risk and those not at risk, I think the main reason why screening, we haven't been able to develop such a test and, and, and possibly never will be able to uh, to develop a test, is that, face it, most injuries that happen in sport are perhaps just shit luck. There are so many accidents that happen in sport and these risk factors that we know about can maybe explain you know 10% of the of the variability uh, or 20% there's still then 80% is our factors that we don't know about we're not able to measure them or just bad luck
0: so it's looking pretty bleak for screening do we have any success stories at all for injury prevention in sport and exercise medicine
1: well, we have lots of success stories. So we—I mean—we have programs for hamstring strain. We have programs now for shoulder uh, problems. We have pro- programs for groin pain, ankle sprains, uh, and so on. Um, and these programs are not very costly and and maybe not that exciting to do, but at least easy to do. Um, so there really isn't a, a strong reason unless we can distinctly separate the two groups, those at risk and those not at risk, to, um, uh, to not give these programs to everyone. And we can, we can use the example, um, so there's, there's one example of a, of a dichotomous uh, variable that we could use, and that is history of previous injury. We know that is the strongest risk factor for injury there is. Um, so you would think then, with an odds ratio of 5 or 6 or 7, depending on which uh, study you look at. So let's let's assume then that, that you use previous injury risk as your, as your uh, screening test, and say those who have a history of previous injury, you are at risk, the rest you're not at risk. And yes, the risk is then 7 times higher maybe in the group that has had a previous hamstring injury. But if you then only give, for instance, the Nordic hamstring program, which, is always, which we know is very effective, um, only to those who are at risk, you will actually only provide the program to 50% of the players who will go on to get a hamstring strain uh, later in that season. Because the previously uninjured group is so large, even if the risk is less, half of the injuries will actually occur in this population.
0: Great. I'm getting it. As I mentioned, you've written a really good review paper on this in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. You mentioned in there about some of the optimistic parts of screening put into the sort of periodic health exam. Can you touch upon those for the <coughs> listener and why you think that the periodic health exam might be important if it isn't to pick up future injury risk?
1: Yeah, this is where there, where, where there is some confusion. Uh, so when I say that, um. There's no point in screening because you cannot predict who will be injured or not. There's a number of other. There's a host of other reasons why you might want to screen your athletes. Um. And perhaps the most important one, uh, and uh, which is the reason for why we have a pretty extensive screening program at the Norwegian Olympic Training Center, uh, with all our Olympic athletes, is to detect current problems. Uh, Our athletes, they travel and live all over Norway and all over the world. Um, Some of them, and there are many small teams, um, some of them relate to multiple uh, medical teams, so they may have a national team uh, physician, they may have a club uh, medical team, they may have a team in the town, their hometown where they live, in addition to the Norwegian Olympic Training Center Medical Center. And, and, And particularly maybe old injuries that are not completely rehabilitated, um, low-grade overuse injuries, um, injuries that happened during the season but uh, where they didn't really have time to take care of them in in the best way possible during the season. Uh, These are things that we detect in, in the screening exam which we try to do as much as we can Postseason, while well, we still have time to try and sort those problems out uh, before the start of the next season. So, detecting current problems, problems that aren't managed optimally, um, problems that the athlete may not even have told anyone about uh, because they didn't want to bother anyone with them, for example. That, I think, is the number one reason. But there are other reasons as well. Uh, one of them is to Ensure that we know about all the medications um, and all the, uh, well, let's say nutritional supplements that the athlete is using, which may potentially cause a problem with anti-doping regulations. And yes, when we do these screening exams, we do sometimes find that athletes are taking unintentionally something that might be a problem uh, with regard to the anti-doping rules. Um, another reason is that uh, we, um, you know every team gets new players every year um, so this screening examination is a fantastic opportunity to get to know the athlete and importantly for the athlete to get to know the doctors and the medical team that, that will be taking care of them maybe a year from now and up until and through the next uh, Olympic Games uh, cycle.
0: So a very important process and I think that's a very optimistic way to end this chat. Thank you very much for taking your time out uh, your busy schedule during the ISE conference here. My pleasure. Thanks very much to you, the listener, for downloading this podcast. If you want to hear Professor talk more in-depth on this topic, why don't you get along to the Dutch Annual Sports Medicine Scientific Conference in Holland that's taking place on the 23rd to the 24th of November 2017, where he'll be a keynote speaker. I'll put the conference link into the podcast below. If you'd like to engage further with the British Journal of Sports Medicine, feel free to download the app, listen to the podcasts, and interact with us on our various social media channels. I hope you get to have a physically active, injury free day.